Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am really excited tonight as we have an amazing comedian named Claudia Stavola coming on in a moment, and she's phenomenal. I'll tell you a little bit about my run-in with her a few weeks ago, and she's just really a breath of fresh air, awesome female comedian, and I see her doing many great things. So I'll introduce her in a moment. Uh, I'm very excited to add her to the list of guests that I've had been fortunate to have on my show in the past, including Mike Buschetti, Joseph Anthony, Jim Florentine, R.C. Smith, who she opened for a couple of weeks ago, that I had the opportunity uh, to see her perform, Don Jameson, and many others. So if you like comedy, please check out my podcast. I've had some amazing comedians on, and I look forward to continuing to interview comedians. Um, if you're new and tuning into my show tonight for the first time, a little bit about my show. I created my show with a form in mind to bring people on in the entertainment industry where I could support them and help promote them to spread the word about who they are and help them get their names out there. A little bit about myself. Uh, the radio show has a lot of uh, symbolic personal meaning for myself. Um, I have a background in the entertainment industry as a singer-songwriter with an album out. And um, I also do some writing for some magazines. And personally, I know how difficult, especially when you're doing everything on your own, and I'm totally independent. I don't have any managers or publicity people. I know how difficult it could be. So I really wanted to create something where I could bring people on and uh, help spread the word about them. So I want to thank everyone for the support with the show. The show has been doing amazing. I launched it a year and a half ago, and the statistics and ratings are doing really well. So it's just been such a pleasure to give all these people I've had on my show an opportunity to get their name out there. I also have a background in psychology. I have my doctorate in clinical psychology. And just to throw it out there, my show is not meant to be uh, any type of formal therapy or treatment. I know people like to joke around. I'm sure Claudia would like to joke around with me, too, about that. Uh, But it's purely for entertainment purposes. And uh, that's something I love doing, too, is just interviewing people. So basically combining my psychology background and my passion for the entertainment industry, uh, the show is a perfect fit. So if you're tuning in, please create a Block Talk Radio account by going to blocktalkradio.com. If you'd like to call in, the number is 805-243-1320. I do have a chat room up, and I appreciate people being in there. There are some people in there now, and because I am a one-man show or one-woman show, uh, I will be focused predominantly on the interview. So if you do want to call in and ask questions, please feel free to do so. You can post questions in the chat room, and I will try to go back and forth between my own notes and uh, the interview. So let me tell you a little bit about Claudia, and then I'm going to do a really quick bit, a comedy bit that I uploaded, just to kind of introduce who she is, and I will play a longer version during the actual um, episode. So as I said, I had a chance to go see her a few weeks ago at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, and I was just blown away by her. I haven't had an opportunity to see many female comics, but the ones I've seen, they've been good, but, uh, but she just really, her presence... Her performance, the material that she had, the way she engaged the audience was just much to be desired, and I see just so many amazing things to come for her. I was joking around with her that if I could manage people, and that's something I would love to do because I do that in my uh, psychology profession right now, I would definitely love to pick her up and manage her because I really see her as someone who's going to go extremely far. 
So, again, her comedy is, is definitely raw. It's witty. It's not for the faint at heart. Uh, you know, she does a lot of different types of jokes that include some racial stuff, gender, weight, uh, other non-related PC issues. So, you know, if you if you can't kind of let your guard down a little bit, I don't know if Claudia is the <laughs> person for you to say. Uh, but, again, she is just amazing. She talks about how she, she jokes like a guy, she thinks like a guy. You can definitely see that in the material that she presents when she's on stage. And I highly recommend you check her out. You can go to her website, which is claudiacomedy.com. She has some YouTube clips up there, so you can get some uh, taste of what her comedy is like. She also has a blog called Rant in My Pants, which is hysterical, as well as upcoming shows. So let me do a brief intro with a little bit from her, and then we're going to bring her right on the air. So this one that I'm going to play right now, it is on her website. It's called Titled Strip Clubs. And I swear, when you listen to it, it's really going to make you want to hear more because it kind of ends and you're kind of like, all right, what's going to happen next? So I think this would be a good intro uh, for the interview for her. So check it out, Strip Clubs by Claudia Stavola, and we'll be back in a moment. The Vegas people, where was the Vegas group? Did you guys see all the strip clubs in Vegas? I mean, did your friends tell you about it? Uh, I'd never been to a strip club before, so I figured this is the time to go, right? So I'm in there and I'm talking to the manager. I was going to talk to him about auditioning just to boost my ego. I wasn't going to like actually do anything. So I'm talking to the guy and he goes, listen, if I'm being honest with you, there's something about yourself you're really going to need to change if you ever want to be a successful dancer. And I'm like, "Um, how am I supposed to go back to my childhood and get molested by my uncle? (laughs) I don't own a time machine, you know. All right, so that is her uh, bit, Strip Clubs. I love it. Again, you got to see her do it live, and it's just amazing. And, again, I'm a psychologist, so it's just I can totally see the humor in that. So let's uh, let's bring her on. We're going to, like I said, play a longer version of some of her other stuff later in the show. Hey, Claudia, how are you? Hi, Carrie, how are you? <laughs> well, that was quite that. an intro. That's a lot to live up to. <laughs> You're so sweet. You know, it's so funny. All the comedians do that. It, it, there's something with you guys. R.C. Smith today is like, wow, oh, my God, how am I going to live up to this? Yeah, well, so, we're well, self-deprecating. That's, that's why we're comedians, because <laughs> we hate ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I guess I have a, some, I've had some of the musicians do that, but you know what? There might be a little more narcissism with the musicians than uh, you guys. I'm just joking. I think so. No, <laughs> I, I think that's actually pretty accurate, although a lot of comedians are frustrated musicians, too. I've seen that a lot with uh, comedians. They go on stage and they try to work in, like, some bit where they either sing or they play the guitar or something to show, you know, I do have other skills. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you on. It's going to be a a great interview. And, again, we're just going to spread your name all over the place with this podcast and stuff. Good. That's better than where it's been spread before on the bathroom walls. But. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you uh, you invited me on. I'm I'm really looking forward to doing the interview. Definitely, definitely. And again, I'm very open ended. So you know, if you want to go in a certain direction, or there's certain things that you want to make sure that you communicate to the audience, please feel free to interrupt me and just kind of you know guide the interview in whatever direction you'd like it to go in. Sure. Okay. Sounds so, good. Unfortunately, again, I'm a psychologist, so I always start out a little bit about you know. Tell me a little bit about your your upbringing and, you know, when did you start to kind of get involved in comedy? Was there anyone in your life or any experiences that kind of 
influenced you as a kid growing up? Well, I think part of it is a lot of comedians will say, oh, I was really shy when I was little, and the fact of the matter is I was really shy when I was little. I mean, I'm still little in size, but I mean little, like, age. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But when I was really, really little, I I was so shy, like, I wouldn't really talk to anyone. I kind of, like, on recess, I would stand next to the teacher instead of playing with the kids because I didn't know what to say, you know. And right. I think I I became very observant of things and really took things in. I always kind of was analytical even when I was young. And I think that in combination with having like a completely crazy family, I used humor to kind of get through the stuff that was depressing, you know. <laughs> okay. Because okay. I think you could I think you could go two different ways like when when you have a stressful um, environment, listen, I'm Italian, all they do is fight. So, you know, that's kind of like <laughs> a crazy environment to grow up in, but especially when you're more a more timid personality like I was, um, you either turn to drugs and alcohol or you turn to humor or both. But I just, you know, I chose humor because that just came naturally to me. And I would always try to find the funny in, in things. And, I mean, I remember when I was really little, like in, I don't know, the 70s, now I'm kind of giving away my age, but um, because my my mom always had a great sense of humor, and she was into, like, Robert Klein, and she liked um, Mel Brooks and all that, and High Anxiety came out, I think, in 1977. That was a movie with Mel Brooks. And that's, like, one of my first memories of really appreciating humor that I shouldn't have even understood at that age because there were so many little subtle nuances that were just, you know, they were, you know, childish. They were more adult, but for some reason I got the humor. So Mm -hmm. I I think it just kind of started there. And, you know, when when my family members weren't fighting, they were actually funny. So there was actually some humor, you know, in my family too. But I guess that's the best uh, that's the best way I could trace it back, you know. Okay. And did you have, you know, just speaking about growing up, if you know, if you want to share any entertaining stories or something humorous, did you have brothers and sisters growing up? Uh, I do have a sister. She's a year and three days older than I am, and she has a great sense of humor too. She's actually a lot more outgoing than I am. I, I'm outgoing okay. now, but even so, sometimes I'm more reserved. I'm, you know, can be uncom- feel uncomfortable or whatever. My sister can talk to anyone. She can make anybody laugh. And I always say, you're the one that should be on stage. You're the one that right. should be, you know, doing, con-. she's like, oh, my God, I could never do that. And you'd never think that because she's the one that's always, like, her mouth is oh, constantly going and, you know, people just love her. So, um, but, yeah, it's just my sister and I as far as siblings. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I have, you know, aunts and, you know, uncle and, you know, but nobody talks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we were young, yeah, we had we had those experiences. But the funniest thing I could probably tell you from my childhood, people are always blown away by this, is okay. the only pet I ever had was a chimpanzee. <laughs> what was it, a stuffed animal? You mean? No, it was a real chimpanzee. Really? My mom, yeah, my mom um, was dating this guy that um, she was engaged to him actually. And um, he, let's just say, had some connections. (laughs) Okay. 
and uh, we, my sister and I were watching TV one night, and there was a monkey on TV, and we're like, oh, that's so cute, I want one. I mean, we're like seven and eight years old, you know. <laughs> Next thing you know, like two days later, he shows up to my mom's door with a chimpanzee, and he's like, here you go. <laughs> My mom's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I mean, it was cute. It used to. It wore diapers. We would bring it, you know, to the local um, friendlies rest. I don't. Did you go? Do you guys have friendlies in New Jersey? Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Friendlies, and it had the, you know, the counter that you could sit at. He'd sit at the counter and eat his soup. And (laughs) And how long did you have it for? What's that? How long did you have the chimpanzee for? Um, he was only around for, uh, I, I want to say like a year, maybe wow. a little longer. He, um, well, he ended up getting sick, unfortunately. I mean, Aww. you look back now and you realize, obviously, that's not a healthy pet to have, and it's not healthy for them either. But um, we had brought wow. him one night to my grandmother's house. I, I can't remember if it was a holiday or something, but there were a lot of people there. And his name was Primo, and Primo got, like, nervous because there were so many people. So he started, like, running around the house and, like, swinging from her chandelier. (laughs) And then he, he, like, ran – because he was actually very – for some reason he had an affinity to me. Like, he always would cuddle and come into the bed and sleep next to me and just was around me. But when he got freaked out, he actually ended up biting me. And I had to go to the hospital and everything, oh but um, yeah, it was crazy. So I guess that's <laughs> a long-winded I'm answer curious, too. So, like, I mean, were you guys scared at all? I mean, because like you're saying, it is—it's a wild animal. Um, I don't know why we weren't scared. Like, I think you know, again, well, we were little, so you know, my sister and I didn't know, and I don't think my mom was scared, because my mom is, like, my mom, like, lives in, like, la-la land, like, she thinks everything is, like, you know, um, Disney World type of, you know, life, like, everything's good, everything's great. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yes. So, anyway, needless to say, yes, nobody was afraid of the chimp until he went ballistic and bit me on the leg, and I had to go to the hospital in my mom's gremlin. <laughs> so, but you were really, okay, right? I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what they, they. I don't even remember what they did. Probably give me a shot or something. Shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, they probably, you know, needed to do a double take of wait, what? She got bit by what? Like, I mean, how many people come in saying they got bit by a chimpanzee? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Well, that's very interesting. That's something that I will definitely put when I post the podcast, guess what type of uh, pet she owned growing up? Yeah. <laughs> Guinea pig? No. Dog? No. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that story. Definitely very entertaining. Um, so tell us, I guess, okay, so as you're growing up, you are interested in comedy. Was there, did you, um, I know you do comedy full-time now, but when you graduated high school, was there anything that you looked to do career-wise, or was comedy something that you just kind of had your mindset to doing uh, you know, no, actually back, back then I didn't even think about doing stand-up comedy I okay. uh, wish I did because I started a lot older and mm-hmm. I wish I had a you know earlier jump on things but um, 
I thought about, I was always into writing. I love to write, um, as you can tell by my rants that you read. Yep, and, and we'll get you know, into that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And okay. unfortunately, just, you know, because of circumstances and, you know, the way things were at the time, I didn't even get to go to college and I just had to immediately, you know, go to work. I mean, I worked okay. through high school anyway, so... Uh, I just continued to work, I, I guess is what I should say. But um, so all my creative um, desires kind of were just put on the back burner, and I I kind of felt like, you know, it wasn't an option for me, so I never really pursued what I wanted to do. I, I kind of did writing as my own personal thing, just mm-hmm. as a creative outlet, but I didn't try to pursue it as uh, any type of career. And then... Um, you know, as I got older, again, I always loved comedy and always enjoyed it and the everything, but never actually thought about it for myself. And um, I don't know, it was probably about eight years ago, I would say, I was, um, well, it could have been a little longer than that, but I was at a comedy show at Foxwoods Casino, and it was um, Jim Florentine. And, I love him. Yeah, I love Jim. <laughs> I And I always thought he was so funny and I, you know, I loved his terrorizing telemarketers, and I, I never heard right. his stand-up, so I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, go check him out. So I went, it it was actually a free comedy show, believe it or not, at, at the casino, but um, so I went to check it out, and then I kind of hit it off with um, his buddy that was opening for him, this guy, um, Chuck, and so, you know, that kind of like, as I started to kind of socialize with them, I was thinking, well, I can do this like you know why didn't I ever think of this you know and so you know I kind of like would I talked to Chuck a lot about it but um I really kind of made more of a go of it when I went out to Vegas and um I went out to see the Howard Stern show <laughs> I'm a big Stern wow. fan and yeah, live for Howard. Like th- that's one of the reasons I can't have a regular full time job because I need to listen to the show. <laughs> so <laughs> well, like, I can't really, <laughs> yeah, I can't function. I need to listen. But um, at the time, um, one of the guys who works on the show now, he wasn't working on the show then. He was just somebody that called in, and he right. happened to be out in Vegas. And my sister and I, were, we just we're talking, we didn't know who he was, and then we got to, um, you know, joking around, and da-da-da, and he's like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian, and, you know, he's like, you're really funny, you should actually try stand-up. I go, that's funny, because I've been thinking about it, blah, 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 nice. and at the time, he had a show that he did uh, with another comedian at the Plaza Hotel in Vegas, and he's like, if you want, I can give you, like, a guest spot, and you could do five minutes and try it out. So that was really one of the first times I really did it in front of a real audience. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is so cool, because I thought they were going to hate me because they were, like, old and, you know, I was kind of, like, dirty and I'm like, oh, my God. And and they actually loved me. Like, that's that's what I was so surprised, that the older crowds are the ones who actually enjoy me more than the young people. Interesting. Because, yeah, you, I, I always thought, oh, the young people, they totally will love me, and I'm so cool, and I'm so hip, you know? <laughs> but they're the ones who are so uptight because they've been raised with that PC mentality. So right. they can't handle a lot of the humor that 
you know, might be like, oh, you know, you made fun of this person or that person or, or you just made fun of a topic, you know, and they are trained to find that offensive, whereas old people, they've been around the block, nothing phases them, they don't right. give a shit. I don't know if I can swear. But, um, you can, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I find they're actually the better audiences, shockingly enough. Like, I'll, I have women, you know, coming up to me after the show, you know, with the gray hair or the purple hair, whatever, <laughs> whatever that color is, you know, and they come up and they're like, you were fantastic, we loved you, da da da, da. and I'm thinking, that's wow, awesome. that's like the last person I would think that would get my kind of humor, you know. So it's it's pretty refreshing when you get that reaction. That's cool. Can you and 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 again, I totally respect all my guests. Would you want to name the person that you met out in Vegas when you were? Oh, his name became, is yeah. His name is Shuli. He Shuli. Um, okay. Nice. Yeah, Shuli. That's he what I was their, thinking. Yeah, he does their news now. Um, he's a yeah. he's the news guy on on Stern, and he's doing a really great job over there. But um, he is. Yeah, he just, my sister and I, we, we were just all, there was a bunch of people just hanging out to watch the show. We happened to be standing next to each other, and we just started all joking around, and, you know, wow. we ended up hanging out, and then, you know, we were like, oh, that's the guy, Shuli, that always calls in, you know, and, and we were just laughing and having a blast, so it worked out pretty great. That's really cool. So would you say he kind of, not really gave you a kick in the butt, but you know, with someone who really, you were thinking about getting involved, and then he was like, no, nah, you got to really do it. you got to do it. You're funny. Do you, would you say yeah, he's someone like, reflecting back? That was yeah, probably... he's, he's one of the people that, um, you know, I appreciated the fact that he was more vocal about it and, mm-hmm. you know, kept, he really kept saying it, you know, like, you really should do this. It's, you know, you're, you're funny. You're really funny. And I mean, <laughs> people have told me, you know, that I'm funny before. I was always the jokester in school. Like, I started to come out of my shell, like, you know, before middle school, I finally, you know, came out of my shell and, and I would, that's how I realized, you know, I can kind of fit in, so to speak, Mm-hmm. I would just joke around in class, and and you know that's where I I got felt most comfortable. But um, yeah, Shuli definitely was one of the people that kind of um, fueled me because it was a thought in my mind at the time, but I wasn't really doing anything with it. And then um, my sister, she's always like pimping me out, like because she, <laughs> she's a she's a booking producer for. Um, our local uh, Fox station here in Connecticut. And uh, she meets a lot of people. And if she thinks somebody might be a good fit for me, she'll be like, Oh my God, you know, I told so-and-so about you and you got to, you got to contact them. So she's done a lot to kind of, you know, get me going too, because she's better at being assertive than I am. Like she hooked me up with, um, this comedian that she had on the show, this was years ago, and um, the woman, her name is Bernadette Pauly, really nice, really funny comedian. I never met her in my life, and my sister said to her, she says, hey, my sister Claudia is a comedian, you know, blah, 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 and she was promoting um, her show at um, City Steam in Hartford, and so she says, well, if she wants, I could see if I could get her a guest spot, which was completely, like, unheard of because some comics are 
just douchebags to put it bluntly. And I want to get, <laughs> and let's definitely go, don't, don't lose that train of thought because I definitely want to ask you about just kind of breaking in as a female, you know, some of the struggles, the challenges, so definitely keep that kind of a little bit in the back of your mind, but go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. she was so nice. She got me a guest spot at the club, and because of that, they liked me and had me come back a couple more times, you know, just to try me out. And then cool. ever since then, they booked me. I'm, I'm a regular at their club there now. So if it wasn't for her, I may not have right. ever gotten into that club. And, and I'm very always appreciative of what she did. And, and uh, I would say if I ever, you know, made it anywhere, which, you know, who knows where I'm going, but I would always mention her name because I always thought that was so nice of her. And a lot of comics are not like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I mean, to digress for a second, and we'll get into that, but, yeah, I think it is unfortunate. I think a lot of people in the entertainment industry, and it could be comedy, it could be film, it could be musicians, right. Most people, unfortunately, aren't willing to kind of, you know, put their arm out there and try to give you something. And that's, again, that's kind of why I do this show, is because I know the struggles that I went through, and I'm like, that's the last thing that I want is to see other people going through that. So I'm going to keep create a forum to really, you know, get their names out there. Um, so, no, I can totally appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's just – and it's, it's funny because, like, I, I see, like – I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily because I'm a woman, but I do see a lot of these guys that, like, they'll help – one guy but then they won't kind of throw me a bone like there were a mm-hmm. couple of guys that my sister and I um when I first started doing comedy we were booking comedy shows cuz you know that's the best way you could try to get stage time for yourself you know when you're first starting out so um she was pu- putting together some shows and she was booking certain comics that I won't mention the names but you sure. know most who they are cuz you've had a couple of them on your show oh <laughs> I always liked them And I still enjoy their comedy But mm-hmm. there were a couple of guys that You know we did more than once You know get them um, Some decent shows Like I booked one guy on a Sunday night mm-hmm. And um, Guaranteed him a certain amount of money And he he was like You know there's no way you're going to get anybody there And I promoted the show pretty well and I ended up getting like 400 people there on a Sunday night. Wow. He, he couldn't believe it but to this day he's never thrown me a bone um, and that mm. wasn't the first time you know we booked him and then the other guy that I'm thinking of um, I had booked this one guy who, and again more than once and I had a, a club that was a, a venue we'll say that wanted me to book for them so I had booked right. this guy and um, he wanted me to put something in writing to guarantee it, and they wouldn't do it. So I said, listen, if it, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out, but they keep assuring me they're not going to cancel, I'll pay you myself, you know. Right. So sure enough, the night before, two nights before, they completely screwed me over. The show was canceled. So I had to pay him out of my own pocket. I had to pay him $350 of my own money, and um, he's like, and I don't ask people for favors. That's probably why I'm not further along than I should be in this business because that's what it is about is, you know, getting people to recommend you and all that. And he's like, if you ever need anything, you know, just uh, ask, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I never felt comfortable doing that, but I was like, you know what, screw it. I am going to ask because, 
why not? You know what right. I mean? Like, I think it was Especially, pretty decent I think, what I did. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the thing, Claudia. When you're, like you said, throwing bones, you would you would hope that at some point you can ask nicely and someone would be like, you know, you've done this for me. You know, absolutely. I yeah. totally agree with you. Okay, so, so go ahead. Yeah, so I saw, I, I really wanted to um, get booked at Uncle Vinny's. And so... I had sent him an email because I know he works there, uh, you know, pretty regularly. And I said, hey, is there any way you could see if maybe you could just get me, like, a guest spot so that Dino could take a look at me and see if he's interested? And he he comes back, and I, you know, it just pissed me off that he thought I was stupid enough to believe what he said. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, he he just needs you to, you, you just have to send him a DVD, and, and he'll take a look at that. You know, basically, he didn't want to put his name in there, right? So right. I was, like, thinking, screw you. So um, this other guy that I've worked with a few times, the nicest guy, I don't know if you've ever seen Jim Delacus. He's an Australian guy. Um, that I've does Uncle Vinny's a lot. Yeah, I've got to go see him sometime. I yeah, he's a, I'll name. be there next week with him. <laughs> Ooh, wait, what, what yeah. date? Go ahead, promote uh, it. The 20th to the 23rd, I will be at Uncle Vinny's with Jim Delacus. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so I, I saw that Jim was going to be there, and he's, like, just a really sweet guy, and we just hit it off, and we always mm-hmm. have a good time, and we work together. So I said, you know, Jim, is there any way you can – see if if I could get, like, a guest spot or something just to audition at Vinny's. And he goes, absolutely, let me see what I can find out for you. So he said, you know, I talked to Dino, and he said to give him a call, blah, blah, blah. Um, He gave me a 20-minute audition spot. And from there, I've been, he's been booking me regularly. Like, Dino is another one that I would always be, you know, thankful to and put his name out there because he's been very good to me and Mm -hmm. um, just really gets me a lot of work and I really appreciate it but it was all because this guy Jim was kind enough to right. you know just recommend me and and um you know it worked out but the other guy he he didn't want to be bothered and I'm thinking like you know I've yeah. probably booked you at least 3 times and you know once I paid you out of my own friggin' pocket right and you couldn't oh even gosh. pick up the phone and just say hey would you mind taking a look at this girl you know I was like it, it tells you a lot about people you know it does so. it's it's really unfortunate but you know it's it's weird similar and we'll talk off the air but similar to your journey, mine has been very similar and you just you know along the way you meet those people here and there that are just so nice, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, the ones that you appreciate and that will go out of their way. And it, it's hard. I mean, it's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack. But through there, you know, you just got to really look <laughs> and yep. try and try, you know. So oh, yeah. I'm sorry well, to hear I'm about like, those. I'm the type of person that, like, I always want everybody to feel comfortable and I want to help mm-hmm. if I can. And, you know, I mean, if I was doing a show and I didn't know somebody, like, I would make sure to – um, you know, go out of my way to talk to them and make them feel comfortable. Or, you know, back in the early days when I was still doing contests, you know, people are there, they're sure. nervous. You know, so I would always try to, like, talk to people and, and just make everybody feel included. And it just, you know, sometimes you work with, with these people and it's so uncomfortable, like, when you're sitting in the green room and they wow. kind of, like, I, I don't know, it's just like a weird vibe, like, I know what you're saying. 
I yeah. can't put my finger on it. There's certain like when I met you, I knew right away we would click. Like you were just so <laughs> even though you say you're not outgoing, just right away you, you were just funny, you were bubbly, you were engaging, you were warm. I was like, oh, she's awesome. You know what Thank I mean? You. Thank but, you. But there have been some com- comedians that I've met that, yeah, you just in as a psychologist. I mean, I'd have to get into detail there, but you just don't get that warm fuzzy feeling, and you feel no. almost like you're intruding on them. Or yes. You're like, Yes, and they take themselves so seriously, and I almost feel like it throws off the vibe of the show for me, because then I'm Mm -hmm. like, ugh, like I just feel so like, ugh, (laughs) I can't even explain it. Like it's it's great when you walk into the green room and you just like hit it off with the the people you're working with and you're just like all relaxed and able to joke around and whatever. To me, I like to joke around no matter what, so... (laughs) Uh, you know, that's that's the most important thing to me is being able to laugh. And if you're at a comedy show and you're working with people who are supposedly telling jokes and they can't even, you know, crack a smile, you know, right. for two minutes, it's to me that's just bizarre. Like I don't I don't get it. I don't relate to it. I think it's like a um, an ego thing. I don't, again, we would be getting into the psychology there, but right, right. <laughs> it no, just we strikes talk about me as weird. That type of stuff. I'm just not doing quote-unquote therapy like if you yeah, want yeah, to tell me you're not going to get into like no I mean that's fine to do a little profiling I don't mind doing that as long as it's it's general and it's educational and I'm not you know what I mean analyzing no, I someone know. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> but I think I think you know just to kind of look at it from a different angle those people that respond like that you know you have to question what's going on inside them too these don't yeah. sound like they're the happiest people they're probably miserable and even if they are, you know, pretty big name-wise, mm-hmm. they're just not happy. And, well, the funny you know, thing is I, I've noticed that it's with the people who really nobody knows who they are. Like they might be headlining the club, but right. nobody knows them, you know what I mean? And right. And they have like this need to give you the rundown of, you know, how much money they get paid to do cruises. And I'm thinking, first of all, I don't want to do a white trash buffet floating on water. So I'm not jealous, number one. Number two, I have Meniere's disease, so I couldn't do a cruise anyway. (laughs) But it's like, who's even even asking you? Like, why are you giving me your, you know – rundown of, of how much money you make and, and well, what that's their ego. type that yeah, they have and, and they're so insecure that they have to somehow boost themselves up to make themselves look whatever bigger than they are or impress you. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, so you're getting paid twenty five hundred dollars to do jokes that about seven million other comedians do about, you know, Right. Using your wife's decorative towels or leaving the toilet seat up. It's like, wow, I never heard that before. <laughs> you know? And that's and that's usually, those are usually the guys that have the biggest egos and it's like oh, interesting. you've been doing the same joke since nineteen eighty seven, so <laughs> Right. Oh my gosh. Well and this is just again, this is just from me being an outsider. Do you think that sometimes some of these comics are intimidated potentially by you? And it could be because you're a woman, it could be because you do have great material and you are really funny. Um, do you think that's something that, or do you think they're just being jerks? I mean, I just um, think that's an interesting thing to look at. I know. I mean, I would hate to sit here and say, oh, I think they're intimidated by me. or they're, but it I, is I don't know. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, maybe there have been a couple that think that way because, I mean, I have 
had some people tell me, um, you know, oh, you're too cerebral or, you know, blah, 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 your jokes are too smart, you need to dumb it down. And I'm thinking I, I can only write the way my mind works, you know. I can right. only come up with what's in there. I don't – and I don't I don't necessarily think my jokes are so smart. I just think they're framed maybe a little differently than what people are used to. Um it's all just a matter of of taste, you know. Right. They, mm-hmm. uh, some people like com, uh, comedians who are more physical and and are able to kind of act out their jokes, which right. I actually I wish I had that ability. I don't know why, but it doesn't come naturally to me. Like if I'm, you know, joking around with my friends and, you know, whatever we're talking about, I can be physical because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not trying to create a joke. I'm just doing whatever's coming naturally and will act goofy or weird and but it's sure. like when I'm, you know, thinking of what I want to talk about on stage, I don't know why, but I don't have seem to have the ability anyway to um, be more like animated. I'm more like just telling the points. You know what I mean? Right. And I I would right. love to be like that. Like one of one of my favorite comedians um, is this guy Sebastian Maniscalco. I don't know if you and I haven't have ever... seen him, but I've heard about him. One of my friends who's He's just breaking into comedy. He was talking about him. Yeah, I haven't seen him, but I heard he's really good. Yeah, he's uh, he's so funny. Like it's funny because he's not typically the style that I normal like normally I like, you know, more kind of edgy comedians. Like I like Jim Norton, David Tell, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kind of guys, but um he isn't that style at all, but he is to me one of the funniest comedians out there. He's just the way he tells the stories and the, his facial expressions and, you know, his physical gestures. I wish I was more like that. And I don't, right. you know, I don't know if I ever could be. I would love it if that started to feel more natural to me. But um, that's somebody that I really admire because he has, he has the jokes to back up the physical part of it, where I think there are a lot of comedians who get the laughs just because maybe they're fat. So, you know, it's like, oh, look at the fat guy doing this or that. But meanwhile, his material really isn't that good. It's just that he looks funny, you know. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different types of comedy and things that people like. I don't know if you hear There's some static. I'm not sure if it's coming from your end. Do you hear that a little bit? I don't. You, I could call you back from oh. my cell phone. Well, maybe just the phone's been great the whole time. Why don't we do? Why don't we do this? Have, I'll have you call back in, and I'll do a quick commercial break, and I'll introduce some of your other stuff. So while you're calling back in, you could take a couple of seconds, and I don't have to like quickly. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's yeah, no that. problem. Okay, okay. I'll, ta- I'll hang right. up and call from the cell phone. Okay. Okay. okay right. Thanks. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay. All right, everyone, again, you are listening to Claudia Stavola, and uh, she's doing an amazing job. If you tuned in late for whatever reason to the interview, the podcast will be available. You can check her out at claudiacomedy.com. We're going to talk all about her uh, blog that is called Rant in My Pants when we come back, and I'm doing going to do a quick commercial break with some of uh, her material. But before we do that, just quickly, everyone needs to be sure to check out, okay? A couple of things I want people to check out. Definitely go to quantumdesignlab.com. Amazing 
graphic design work. You got to check out this company. They do everything from logos to websites. If you're in a band and you need a shirt done, whatever you need, just really top notch um, advertising and uh, marketing and different types of uh, graphic design. So check it out, quantumdesignlab.com. Also, flirtdrink.com. If you are a female athlete, check out flirtdrink.com. It is a energy drink specifically formulated for the female athlete. So, uh, and it's amazing. I'm working with them. Uh, they use my song, Vanilla Skies, off my album, Leave It All Behind, to promote the product. Also, go to talentspotlightmagazine.net, amazing magazine that does really thorough, in-depth interviews with filmmakers, photographers, uh, musicians, or even branching out and doing comedians. It's something that Claudia definitely should check out. So uh, go to talentspotlightmagazine.net. And lastly, check out Davin's Den, which is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh at the same time, Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. To watch live episodes here or watch old episodes or to find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page at davincomedy.com. All right, so let's check out another bit from Claudia. This is going to be a little longer, so you're really going to get a taste and flavor of what she's like on stage. This one is titled Dairy Queen. Okay, so check it out, and we'll be back in a moment. I love in the summer going out for ice cream. I always go to Dairy Queen. You guys do the Dairy Queen thing? Yeah. Last time I'm there, I'm standing in line, and this adorable girl's behind me, and I can overhear her talking to her friend, and she goes, you know, I think I'm going to try something different this time, something I never tried before. And I thought, geez, that's weird. I had no idea they had birth control on the menu here. I am jealous. I mean, it looks like there's a little something going on up here. But seriously, when a guy gets my bra for the first time, my tits automatically become a VH1 special. Where are they now? I mean, if you saw me on the beach, I look like an x-ray in a tube top. It's that bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Plastic surgery, as we were just discussing, is very popular. But now it's like no body part is off limits. You know what I'm talking about? Do you guys ever see these, like, you know, reality shows where they're showing people that are going to get plastic surgery? I saw one the other night. A woman was going to get something done called labiaplasty. Are you familiar with this? Applaud if you're familiar, because I don't want to have to describe it. if you're an Audi and you want to be an Indy. Okay? Does that paint the picture for you? Yeah, okay. I had never heard of this before. Never. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make an appointment with the doctor. And I go and I ask him, I'm like, um, is there something wrong? You know, do I need to have surgery? And he's like, no, that is perfectly normal for a boy your age. for our body types, right? Like, I know I don't have cleavage, so I don't wear the plunging neckline. And I think that 
should apply to all people. You accentuate the good, hide the bad, right? But now we're so politically correct that we're afraid to hurt people's feelings, so we don't want to tell women, you know what, it's not healthy to be fat. Instead we're saying, you know what, just walk around and call yourselves curvy and act real cocky about it. What kind of message does this send, right? Because the only message it seems to be getting out there is if you're five feet tall and five feet wide with C-section scars, stretch marks, a tramp stamp, and a belly ring that looks like a superintendent's keychain, <laughs> you should definitely wear a belly shirt with your two sizes too small out of season white pants that outline your camel toe like the Big Dipper and the Light Show. All right, everyone. Again, amazing comedy work by Claudia. Check her out, ClaudiaComedy.com. And again, we're going to talk a little bit now about rants in my pants. I think that's how I, well, I might have said it the wrong way. Again, I work in corrections. It's been a long day. So Claudia can uh, help me relabel the blog that she has. And we'll talk about some other stuff. I want to hear a little bit about her comedy writing. How, you know, what does she do? Where does she sit down and write? You know, what, when does she decide that, uh, She's going to come up with material, or is it something she just does on the fly? So let's bring her back on. Okay, you there? I'm here. It's a better right. connection. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. No, everything was great the whole time, and then all of a sudden it just started getting crackly at one point. I was like, oh, I don't want it to ruin our interview. So, Oh, yeah, yeah no, I know. It's, so you never know with the cordless phones. I know most people don't even have landline phones anymore, but I'm so right. outdated. I refuse to get rid of it. <laughs> I still have a flip phone for my cell phone. So. <laughs> I know that's what you said. That's just, Now, do you text, like, do you have to hit the number, like, three times to get to the letter you want? Yeah, but I'm so good at it. Like, I, wow. I, can't, do, I can't do the touch screen. Like, it takes me forever I can't to either. do the touch screen. That's why I don't want to get rid of my flip phone, because if finally I, you know, perfected this technique. <laughs> right, right. Now I gotta you know get what rid I got? Get, so. get one that has the little pad on it. That's what I did. So oh, I was like, yeah. oh, I don't want this. That's, That's what I did because I was the same as you. And actually, it was my friend who was breaking into comedy. This was like last summer. We were like at a bar on the water. And I pulled out my phone. And it was the whole thing was falling apart. It was awful. It was a flip phone. <laughs> and he says, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's my phone. He's like, the next time I see you, he's like, I do not want to see that. So I was like, as a psychologist, of course, I'm like, all right, my homework assignment is to get a new phone. So I was like, all right, right. I got to get a phone. <laughs> Did you end up getting the iPhone? No, no, I didn't get an iPhone. I actually got a Droid, but it has the little keypad on it. And I was like, I need a starter like that. I don't need anything too like yeah. this like you. I don't want anything crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm not good at the touch screen, and I take pride in being outdated. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anti, you know. I I hate that everybody is on... Everything is about being online, being on their phone. They're just constantly looking at their phones or their computers, which mm -hmm. basically now your phone is your computer. But it's like, I don't know, it seems so detached from reality. And it just also seems like it's just um, it's just such an avenue for bad things to happen. Like people become more and more um, untrustworthy when they are using these devices because then it's like, Oh, I can, you know, 
I can go flirt with this guy online and my boyfriend won't know or I can go meet chicks on website. Like it's creepy to me. I don't I don't I don't know. I I just can't get into it. Like you know how I feel about Facebook. We had that Yeah, little, well, let's talk about um, that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. We'll just touch on that. But I mean, yeah. I mean just Reflecting from a different angle, looking at it from a different angle, it's, you know, just marketing and promotions. Not all the bullshit we know. There's so much crap going on. And, and actually, I find comedy in that. Like, some of the crazy things people post, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you put right. that out there? So for me, I find it entertaining. And there's certain people's sites I'll go to daily because I'm like, let me see what stupid thing they posted today. <laughs> Right. But, right. Well, I know. And I felt like, well, first of all, I never wanted to be on Facebook. And okay. I, I guess I guess what, what maybe needs to be understood about me, first of all, is that I was never, um, I've always been kind of like my own person. Like I never did what everybody else was doing. I was never one of those cookie cutter types. Sure. Like, you know, oh, I'm a cheerleader. I'm a I did my own thing. I had my head shaved. I had a mohawk. <laughs> I didn't give a shit about, like, what anybody thought. And I didn't do it to try to prove anything to anyone. It was just that's what felt normal to me, mm-hmm. you know. And so I never subscribed to the mainstream. And to me, Facebook was just another way of, um, kind of you know, that the popularity contest, like everybody, right. you know, is in a clique and I, I was never a clique person and I'm still not. And so when I was um, revamping my website, which I looked at it, the pictures, I do need to revamp it again because I look so scary in those pictures. But no, um, you don't. <laughs> when I was, when I was, revamping it, I look like I have a friggin' wig on. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, the guy that was helping me with the website kept saying, you need to get on Facebook. And I'm like, why do I need to get on Facebook? It's not really going to do anything for me because I'm not in the click, you know, mode. And that's how people are able to kind of help each other out on there. I just, But anyway, he convinced me. He's like, just do it. Uh, you know, I guarantee it will be worth it, whatever. So I did. I got on there. And I found that being on there was more aggravating than um, helpful because, okay. you know, I would get on the computer in the morning, I'd check my emails, whatever, and then I'm like, oh, now i got to go check Facebook. And then it's like there would be all this just crap in there about stuff I don't care about, but then I would feel obligated to, you know, maybe make a nice comment or give a like to someone because they – we're always commenting on stuff that I was doing. Right, right. The only the only stuff I would really post was um, if I had a show coming up. Like, right. I didn't put, you know, what I was having for dinner or, you know, <laughs> right. oh, I'm in a relationship or, you know, who gives a shit? I don't care if you're engaged or if you are celebrating your anniversary. I don't care. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I just, the only information I had on there was my name. I didn't put where I live. I don't put, you know, my relationship status. I don't put anything. It was just right. comedy. And um, I don't know. I just got, like, I, you know, people would send me messages and, um, you know, just it was like it, it felt more like more work. Like I, I'm not on there to, to chit-chat with people. I'm on there to promote comedy. And, you know, having personal conversations is taking up time in my day that I should be working on comedy, you know? Right. 
So right. I just, well, I'll talk to you off the air. I have an idea for you. I have an idea where I okay. think I can make it work for you without you having to get involved in all the the extra stuff. I Again, okay. same thing with me. I use it just, I mean, if you look at my page, if, well, you're not on there right now, but if you do if you do go back on, I mean, really, I'm promoting all my guests. I'm never posting personal stuff about myself or, you know, like you said, here and there, yes, I will maybe give a like or do some stuff if it's a regular person that's, you know, supporting me, of course. Um, right. But, yeah, but I, I'll give you some psycho- psychological, you know, ways that you can use it, I think, to your advantage without feeling you're right. so bogged down that you have to be on there all day long. Yeah, yeah, and feeling like I need to, like, because then I feel like, you know, people are like, oh, you're so selfish, you put your stuff on there, but you don't acknowledge my stuff, and it's like, you know, then it becomes one of those kind of situations. Like, I like Twitter because, to me, Twitter is, I just put out, like, one-liners, you know what I mean? Like, like, when the Oscars were on, I was just tweeting, like, making fun of all the actresses and actors, and I just put out, like, a, you know, joke, (laughs) or I... I love bashing Kim Kardashian on Twitter. That's, like, my favorite thing to do because she's such a moron that it's, right. like, it's the easiest thing. And I'll just, you know, if I'm in the mood, I'll go on Twitter, make a, you know, I'll find a few of her tweets, and I'll retweet with my own comment, and, you know, boom, I'm done. I don't have to get right. into a conversation with anyone. I don't have yeah, to like anything. <laughs> right. Right. You know? That's so, true. Oh, there That's are a good people point. on Twitter who don't get it, too, and they'll still put on stupid shit like, oh, I got a flat tire. That sucks. It's like, why are you right. putting that on Twitter? Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll talk. We'll talk. But while we're talking about, like, you know, promoting stuff, and talk a little about your uh, rant in my pants blog, because I think it's great. I really enjoy it, especially the hoarders one. Oh, my God. You know, oh, again, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that, great I stuff. have to say, the hoarders is one of my favorites that I've written, and um, I don't know. Like I told you before, I I always love to write, and mm-hmm. um, I think you could tell by the style of my writing that I just kind of think a little differently, I guess. But um, and and it's for me sometimes it's easier to formulate my thoughts in writing than it is to. Um, speak them. That's why I think sometimes my comedy would be better, you know, in a book than me performing it on stage, you know? But, um, okay. yeah, I just, I like to write about things that I find I'm most passionate when I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm annoyed or perplexed, I'm like, I gotta, you know, write about this because this is driving me insane, you know? And I was watching Hoarders one night, and I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then I found I was up all night watching, like, a marathon of it. And I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) So, you know, that's it. And just I got so – it's like part of me does – I feel sad for a lot of those people because I do know that it's – you know, it stems from obviously certain emotional things and, you know, all that other stuff. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I get so annoyed and frustrated with these people. And when I saw that woman that with the big arm that was flapping and she had the the chickens in the coop that were all crammed in there, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I got to write about this. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just created a page on my website where I could just rant about whatever I want. And, you know, I'm not, you know, tied to a specific subject. Because I do, I also blog for, um, 
there's an online magazine. Um, it's called Spotlight Magazine. It's on the website called FlickU.me, which I don't ask me about the name. I don't know why it's called that. But um, okay. it, my column on there is called Comedy in the Raw, and they oh, cool. like me to stick to the topic of comedy, which is fine. I, I don't mind writing about comedy, but I have so many other thoughts that I like to complain about. <laughs> right. So in, in order to, you know, be able to talk about what I want to talk about, I just put it on my website. So um, that's just an, a, another avenue for me. And I actually, I also ghostwrite a column on the Huffington Post. Unfortunately, I can't say which one because then I would be giving away who I was writing oh, for. Oh, wow. But it's, okay. Yeah, it's it's in the entertainment um, section. We'll just leave it at that. But okay. I love doing that, too, because it gives me another um, – it's, it's it's more of a challenge for me because I can't be as a therapist and I can't be, um, you know, uh, as brutal, let's say. So, you know, I can kind of get my sarcasm in there, but it's a different um, way of writing for me. So it keeps, you know, keeps me going. Very cool. Very cool. No, that's awesome. I think, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, writing is definitely something you're passionate about and you're really good at it. Do you see in the future, you know, outside of, the stand-up circuit and doing stand-up on a regular basis, do you see your stuff going in any other direction? I mean, would you want to try to write for maybe a TV show one day? Or, you know, what would you like to do if you could kind of um, you have know, it your way? I, I, I love writing, and I never really investigated, like, what it would be to do sitcom writing. But, right. Um, like, right now I, um, I do – some freelance stuff on the side. Like right now I'm actually editing um, a novel for this guy. He wrote a horror novel, and so I'm editing for him. And basically I'm almost kind of having to rewrite because the writing is so horrible. (laughs) Wow. Okay. um, No, he's in another country actually, so he is not listening. But – he, the writing is just so like, oh my god! I'm literally having to change almost every line in the in the book, and wow. you know, I I I copy edited another book, which actually I should put it out there for my friend because he's a good guy. But um, this uh, he wasn't a friend of mine until I edited the book for him, and then we became friends. But um, this guy wrote a book about this. Um, punk club that used to be in Norwalk, Connecticut, and it's called Everybody's Seen the Story of Connecticut's Anthrax Club, and he was looking for somebody to, you know, kind of help him out, and uh, I just, I happened to stumble upon it online because I, I was looking up the club because I used to go there when I was a teenager, okay. and I found this guy who was actually writing a book about it, and we got in touch, and and then it turned out he needed somebody to edit, so I was like, I would love to do that, so I edited the whole book for him, and um, you know, I just, I enjoy reading and proofreading, and I know it sounds kind of clear, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I like love that grammar. No, I like that, too. Yeah, spelling. I love, you know, correcting wow. spelling. <laughs> That's no, the same thing. way. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't even smoke cigarettes. It's like I get off on, you know, like, correcting people's writing. <laughs> <laughs> 
have you, to, di- to digress, have you ever, because, you know, a lot of comics and people in the entertainment industry have had, you know, run-ins with, like you were talking about, substance abuse and things like that. Have you ever had any difficulties with that or no, that's just something, something that you no, never... No, I've actually never even been drunk in my life. and Me, I, No way. Yeah. Me too. People, <laughs> I was talking with someone, I was out oh of the bar God, last really? weekend... And they were like, you are just, like, fascinating. Like, you just don't meet people like you. That's, oh, my God. That's really yeah, weird. Yeah, they think I'm weird or they think I'm uptight because I don't drink. Or people who drink and hang out with somebody who doesn't drink, like, I, I'm i not even saying anything to you about your drinking, but yet yeah. they'll constantly criticize me, like, for not drinking. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying anything to you. Yeah, if I'm... If I am, I'm in a relationship with someone and they're drinking, you know, excessively, then yeah, right. I will say something. I mean, I can't be in that kind of situation. But if it's just, you know, friends that I'm socializing with, I don't care. One of my exactly. good friends, she's a big drinker. You know, that's. I mean, I worry for her safety, of course, but it's not my place to tell her that she can or can't drink. You know. Right. Right. But for wow. some reason, when people find out you don't, they get, like, uncomfortable or think, like, oh, you're so judgmental. It's like, no, I just, I never had a desire. I never, I always was turned off by people, especially when I was in high school. Like, the the kids that always needed to drink and get drunk to think they were cool. Like, to me, I looked at them, and maybe this is a little judgmental, but I thought, God, you guys are so weak. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're just, right. like can't stand on your own two feet and, and just, you know, why do you need alcohol to have fun? Like, it, that always turned me off. And when I was, like, heavily into the punk scene in the 80s, yes, again, I'm giving away my age, but um, that was, you know, the people who weren't into the drinking and drugs, they called, they said, you know, you're straight edge or whatever. So that was right. like, that's right. what I got affiliated with. I'm like, I don't need an affiliation. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm just not into it. You know what I mean? And I never exactly. was. Exactly. You know, not to say I've never had a glass of wine or anything, but I never had a desire to lose my mind. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. And that's just, wow. It's just very surreal to meet another person like me. Because, right, I've never drank, never did drugs, never smoked, nothing. I mean, and I just, like you, I just didn't have a desire. And unfortunately, like you, I'd probably rather be proofreading something. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and here's the thing. I it was so, um, I don't know if naive is the word, but I was so not hip to the lingo, so to speak, that um, I was at a party, this was years ago, okay. and um, I was I was with a friend of mine who we just he was so funny this guy but um we went to this seven party so we had to dress up like seven you yeah i'm like a feathered wig and whatever and all that what type of party Um, was was it a 70s party like it was a theme party okay so you know we're hanging out and this guy you know has these brownies and he says to me oh you know you want some brownies and i'm like oh my god yummy i love brownies And so, yeah, they're, he, he, I thought he said they were spiced. Like, I'm thinking, oh, like German chocolate. That sounds good. <laughs> so I'm chowing on these things like there's no tomorrow. And come to find out, he was saying they were spiked. They were hash brownies. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. So I can't what say happened? that I've never 
been high, but it wasn't intentional. Like, I didn't right. know that that's what I was eating. I didn't even know what that was. Like, that's how, like, clueless I was to the drug scene, you know? And I, I would have been so the same sick. way, Claudia. Oh, my God. It was, like, the worst experience ever. And I'm, like, at some stranger's house in Boston, and they have one bathroom, and it doesn't lock, and I'm getting sick, and I'm, like, oh, my God, this is ever going to end. Oh, my God. So that was my drug experience. <laughs> what you thought was a German spiced brownie. Yeah, I was like, oh, like spice, like, oh, German chocolate, yummy. <laughs> Do you have a bit with that? You've got to put that in one of your comedy bits. That's great. You know what? I probably should. I, oh, I absolutely. That's a, that's well, a great I've one. Thought about, yeah, like I, I do want to somehow work into my, you know, act about the fact that I, you know, I've never been drunk or, you know, any of that stuff. But then I'm kind of like I don't really know where that would go, so I haven't come up with anything that I'd be happy with, you know. Wow. And just real quick, I mean, again, you, I, like I said, I, I'm, you're just very talented. And did you ever take Thank any, you. like, comedy writing courses? I mean, or is this just something that really came naturally to you? Like, where did you kind of get your guide or, or who did you model off of? Because the thing that fascinates me with comedians is just you guys are just so bright in a different way. The way you you know, the way you frame stuff and you twist stuff, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. Like, I can be funny, but I can't. I can't get up there and do it. So I just, you know, is it something that just comes naturally? Um, In my opinion, yes. I don't think you can be taught to be funny. I mean, you could be taught to be um, marketable and generic, right. I guess. But right. um, it's funny because I always... I was always anti-comedy class and all this stuff. And um, there was a point in time a few years ago where um, I was living down in Stamford, Connecticut, and I I hated it. I was miserable and depressed. And um, my grandmother ended up in the hospital, and she was basically dying. And and I was, like, looking for, like, an outlet to just kind of keep my mind off the things and... Somebody told me, oh, there's a comedy class in the city, um, but it, it, it's more about um, marketing. It's not like a comedy class, like, you know, right. learning to do comedy. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll see if that's any good, you know. So I I went to the class, and, you know, you pay all this money, which is something I normally wouldn't do, and I still can't believe I did it. But in a way, I'm glad I did it because it proved what I always thought. Mm-hmm. And, um it wasn't they didn't talk really anything about marketing it was all it was basically like going to an open mic every week and you're just like bringing in your jokes that you already have and performing them in front of these other people and i'm thinking like that's what you paid for for free yeah (laughs) and i'm like i thought this was about mark i was so pissed you know right it was it was such a turnoff because the person who taught the class is actually um, a fairly successful in the New York scene, and some people would know. I don't want to say who the person is. Uh, I might. I um, might. Well, we'll talk off the air because I think I might have yeah. an idea. I'm not sure, but yeah. Okay. And 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 I just felt like there were people there that um, just weren't good, and you know, not you know, and I'm sure people thought that of me. So I'm not saying like I think I'm better right. than anyone, but you know. 
some people you could just tell there's just nothing even there to work with. And you're right. giving these people false hope. That, that's how I felt. Like you're, and, and it got to the point where there was this one guy in the class, and I kind of felt sorry for him. He was like, you know, kind of a bigger guy, and he was very flamboyantly gay and um, trying really hard, but just was awful. I mean, he was awful, awful, awful. Right. And it got to the point where even the teacher was almost like mocking him because she knew that the other students were making fun of him as well. And I just thought, like, this is not cool, you know. Yeah, and, no. But then making him think, you know, that there, that he had something to work with, and it's like, why would you even, you know, humiliate right. somebody like that? You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, it was a big turnoff and everything that I always hated about the idea of comedy classes and so disgusted that I was even there. You know what I mean? I'm just like, why would I even do that? It's something I was always against, you know? Right. But, right. But at the time, like you said, you were trying to get your mind off of, you know, other difficulties you were going through and, you know, like you said, you kind of walked yeah, in. Yeah, I'm just your... looking for other outlets for comedy and thinking, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm being too, you know, harsh. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this would be beneficial or, you know, whatever. And, and I figured, okay, i got to open my mind a little and I'll give it a shot. And it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, your self-fulfilling prophecy was fulfilled by what you had already thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And got absolutely nothing out of it because I wasn't a teacher's pet, which a couple of the other people were, and they became all buddy-buddy. You know, it was the same old, same old, you know, that you deal with no matter where you work or whether you're in school or whatever. It's always the same. Wow. So what would be if you could give some advice to people, you know, people who want to maybe get into comedy or breaking into it, you know, with some of the challenges and things that you've dealt with over the years, what would what would be, you know, a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice that you would give to people? Um, well, you know, it's funny because I don't I don't like to be the person who thinks I have all the answers because clearly no, 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 I don't. No, it's not about or, answers, just suggestions. What it, well, the reason I say that is because, you know, I think if you talk to like 95% of comics, they always mm-hmm. say, you know, you have to be out there seven nights a week and, you know, you got to uh-huh. especially in the city, and you got to, you know, do this and do that and you got to pay your dues. And da-da. to me, it's whatever works for you personally. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has a different circumstance in life, and maybe there is a reason somebody can't be out there seven nights a week. That doesn't mean that it's not their passion, but they might have other obligations that they can't afford to, you know, let their job go yet or whatever the case may be. So I don't think it's fair that, you know, a lot of comics have that mentality and they get very resentful of comics who, um, you know, are getting work even though maybe they aren't out there seven nights a week or they're not even out there every week. They're, They're just doing the best they can, but... I remember, I know I'm getting off topic, but it, it, it okay. just, you know, it's making me think of these other things. But um, I was listening to a conversation once, and, well, it was actually, it was on the Stern Show, so it might kind of give away who was talking okay. about it, but I, I don't really want to badmouth anyone. But okay. basically what had happened was um, Sal and Richard, the two, you know, guys that do the prank mm-hmm. calls, 
they started getting booked a lot, you know, because their name was out there and they were they were starting to do stand up. Mm-hmm. And so there was a big to do about the fact like, you know, that's bullshit that you guys are getting these gigs and you haven't been doing it long enough and blah blah blah. And so the other guy, which I won't say who it is, but people will remember if they heard, um, he was getting pissed that they were getting this great money and getting all these bookings based on their status on the show. And my mm-hmm. thinking is, well, if the tables were turned and somebody was throwing that at you 15 years ago or 10 years ago when you were first starting out, are you going to tell me you would have turned it down and said, no, I got to I gotta sleep in my car first, I got to live on the streets first and pay my dues, so I can't accept your offer? It's like, no, you take what you get and exactly. if it comes because you're, you have a name for yourself or some people – you know, maybe they weren't doing it as long as you, but they're talented and somebody saw something in them and wanted to book them. It's stupid to to be resentful of that or to feel like, you know, it, I just, I hate that when people say pay your dues. To me, it, that's just such a cop-out, crock-of-shit thing to say, you know? Right. It's like right. everybody gets their breaks for different reasons. And, yeah, it is BS if somebody gets their break because, oh, you know, my uncle is the... uh owner right. of, you know, Caroline, so therefore he's putting me on stage every night. Okay, yeah, maybe that's a little different. But if you're getting a break because you're good and even though you've only been doing it for two years, tough shit, you know? Sorry right. that it didn't work out for you, but that's life. And I right. I, I think that's a, a mentality that is so dated, you know? It's just a no, jealous mentality, too, you know? Yeah, well, like you said, people just being jealous and envious and, you know, unfortunately, like you said, people sometimes get breaks a little sooner than others and there's reasons why it happens and, yeah, I know. It's unfortunate, yep. but well, that's the way it goes, you know? Yeah. Everybody's circumstances different. That's how I look at it. Yeah, and things happen for a reason and who knows, you know, why at that point in time, you know, someone might be getting a break. Like you said, unless it's your uncle and Caroline's and, you know, that's a different right. story, but right, I agree. But yeah, I and, totally and to get back to your original question from 25 minutes ago about giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I, I think... I'm, if, I'm if glad you remembered it because I was, I was already forgetting. No, please, all right. <laughs> Half the time I don't even know what I'm saying. I just start rambling on and I'm like, I don't that's even know what fine. I'm talking about. I just, I have all these things pent up and I'm like, oh my God, somebody talking to me because I'm alone all day so <laughs> I don't get to say these things to people but um no I think if if you want to do comedy then yeah depending on where you live sometimes it is harder to find um places to actually go and do your do your material because sure um you know there might not be a club that has an open mic or whatever the case may be but if you're able to do it um, a lot of times when you're starting out, the one thing you can do to get yourself stage time is to, you know, approach maybe some local bars or restaurants and see if they're willing to let you do an open mic comedy night. And, you know, you're not going to get paid for it. You're not going to make any money, but it's just a way to, you know, wet your feet and just get yourself comfortable, um, you know, with the microphone and in front of a crowd, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, five people or 25 people, whatever. But, um, you know, that's one way to just kind of start getting familiar with things. Definitely. Definitely. No, I think that's a great piece of advice for people, just like you're saying, get your feet wet, get your foot in the door. And who knows, maybe 
You'll see, it wasn't even for you. I had a, um, just to digress from it, I had a writer for the Tonight Show, Jim Shaughnessy on my show. I mean, just amazing writer. He started out thinking he was doing stand-up. He got up there and he was like, oh, my God, I almost crapped my pants. I couldn't do it. But he found his, <laughs> but he found his niche in writing, and he'll tell that story. He's been on my show a couple of times. But it's a funny yeah. story because he's like, this is what I'm going to do. And he gets up there and he's like shaking. He's like, oh, my God, this is just, it's not going to happen for me. It just, he knew it. You know, he was not meant to be stand-up, but he was able to, you know, use his comedy and his writing in a different way. Um, yeah. yeah well, you never know. It can be scary. It can be scary. And it's like you might go up there and have an awful experience, and the it, the fact that you're willing to go out there again kind of gives you the idea mm-hmm. that, okay, maybe I am cut out for this. Or in his case, like he realized, okay, I better stick to the writing because I can't handle the feeling. And right. um, I remember one of the first times I ever um, – did anything on stage well the first time I did an open mic and that was a nightmare because the woman that was the host was like so mean to me but anyway that's another story (laughs) um, (laughs) I I was saying earlier how my sister always used to pimp me out and so um, she had booked um, Bob Levy uh, this was a while Mm -hmm. back again when I was first trying to do comedy and, you know, they had a good rapport and everything. He was, he was really nice. And, and she said, oh, my sister's a comedian and blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, he's like, uh, I could give her a guest spot at Rascals, you know, down, I forgot where in Jersey that is. But she made it, she made him think, like, I've been doing comedy for a while. And I'm like, um, I've only done an open mic so far. <laughs> Perform, and she's like, "Well, don't tell him that." I'm like, "I love how you're lying for me, like without even my consent." So I, I, I was like, "Oh my god!" I was so nervous. So, um, but I was like, "I gotta take the opportunity." Sure. And so I drove all the way down there for this five minute guest spot, and I got up on stage, and I, you know, maybe said the first line of what I was gonna say, and like completely went blank and couldn't remember. Oh, <laughs> no. It was so embarrassing. I was like, get me the hell out of here. Like, but the fact that I still, for some reason, wanted to do it again, I guess, you know, made sure. me realize that, okay, I really, really want to do this because that was the most humiliating, horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm literally, I was like standing there and I was like, um, I couldn't remember anything that I had thought of that I was going to do. And I don't even remember what ended up happening. I don't know if I just got off or if I thought of something, but it was so, so embarrassing. And I'm thinking, you know, he's probably wondering, like, why my sister, you know, built me up, like, as if I'd been doing this for so long and then I couldn't even do, you know, a minute. Aww. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. Well, but like you said, you were able to, despite that, you know, not great experience for yourself, you got back up there again and you knew it was something that you wanted to do and that you were talented and you had the skill for it and it just it just maybe took a little time. Yeah, I think, too, like you were saying before, like, you know, who may have influenced you. See how I eventually get to your questions? Right, right, right. I answer them immediately. Just, just, <laughs> that's okay. Just to keep track of the time, because I did, I had set just in case yesterday a little extra time on it. But we have about another five minutes before I have to. The thing's gonna eventually cut us out. But 
Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 um, but definitely get back to going about influences and stuff. But the one um, comic who I always loved, and I loved him before he died, because I hate when comedians, like, talk about comics and they they always name, like, every comic that's dead as being, like, the greatest comic ever, but it's, like, not right. until they're dead. But I loved this guy before he died, and I always thought he was amazing. And to me, he was one of the smartest, funniest comedians ever, and that was Greg Giraldo. And I I love his style. I love, like, the fact that he's saying things that make so much sense, but he's able to do it in a smart way, but yet a silly way at the same time. And I think that's, like, such a difficult thing to do because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of comics or writers are silly or they're really smart. Like, Mark Maron is, like, just like one of those, like, intelligent comedians, you know. But Greg Giraldo, to me, was, like, the perfect combination of everything. And he was cute, too, so that didn't hurt. But. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I That's just awesome. I think that he he was just one of those guys that was so underrated. He just I, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I think the reason he didn't get as far as he should have is because he is he was so intelligent that most people aren't on that level. They don't get it, you know. And um, I think people need things spelled out for them a lot. And right. he was just he was, he was just. Too, too intelligent for people, unfortunately. Wow. Well, that's something, like you said real quick, just to tie into you. You know, you said that people sometimes said that, you know, you need to dummy your stuff down or, you know what I mean, you need to make it more simple. But maybe that's why I appreciated you so much because I am more cerebral, you know, and I do have a great sense of humor, but I also can really appreciate someone who, you know, the way you craft your stuff and, I don't know. I, I'm not Thank saying you. it's because I went to school for, you know, 10 years with my doctorate or whatever, but I like that stuff. So I do get it, and I do appreciate that stuff, and I still find it just as funny as someone talking about, you know, some stupid potty humor. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. And I hate when people, you know, if people try to describe what style or whatever of comedy I am, and people say, oh, she's dirty. It's like, actually, if you listen to my material i'm really not dirty i might be edgy or to the point but i'm not dirty i i don't you know i don't really swear a lot in my act i don't talk necessarily about like i've heard people talk about like vulgar sex acts and stuff like to me that's what i consider dirty humor right i would say i'm more politically incorrect i guess or i i don't i don't even know anymore what's considered edgy humor like there really seems to be no real you know distinction anymore but i i just think it's like when people don't understand they refer to anything that's not you know squeaky clean they refer to it as dirty and that's really not necessarily an accurate description i agree i agree but you did an awesome job, and we're going to talk off the air because I think there's some cool stuff maybe you and I could talk about, you know, being creative and doing something together because I just I really think you're yeah. an amazing talent. I really do. Thank you. I really really appreciate that. But, yeah, so, I mean, please plug again your Twitter site and where people can find you, and then we'll wrap things up and we'll definitely be in touch. Excellent. Well, my website is ClaudiaComedy.com, and I'm also on Twitter at Claudia Comedy. 
and I really would like more followers because I am funny on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get that. And I, really, get I really appreciate myself on Twitter, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Definitely post the, uh, you know, the link to the podcast. I'll be posting it all over the place, and we'll, we'll get you some nice lessons and stuff, and hopefully that will come along with some uh, new Twitter followers. Excellent. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Yes, now, awesome job, and we'll definitely be in touch. Yes, definitely. All right, Claudia, have a great night, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks. You take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, again, Claudia Stavala. Please check her out. Go to ClaudiaComedy.com. Great interview tonight. Actually did a whole hour and a half. We probably could have went on for another hour, but unfortunately we got to wrap things up for tonight. So please uh, become a fan of The Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com forward slash The Carrie Edelman Show for upcoming shows and events. You can also follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. And uh, please befriend me on Facebook. I have two personal pages. Find one of the ones that is still open. One of them is maxed out. Love to keep in touch with all of you. Thank you again for all the support and uh, continuing to tune into the show. If you miss the show for any reason, the podcast will be available immediately after the show to download, stream, etc. I will be posting for upcoming shows. Not sure what's happening next week yet, but we will probably have something going on next Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So tonight we're going to close the show with this song, Goodbye, which is one of the hit singles off of my debut album, Leave It All Behind. If you like what you hear, you can download the single or the full-length 10-song album by going to iTunes, Amazon Music, and any other digital sites. Thanks again, and have a great night.